The royal law of love. We see this mentioned in James 2.8. Um, we understand the significance of walking in love, and many of us pay homage to that particular scripture. Um, many of us don't even know really when it applies and when it doesn't apply. Some of us may even think of it as the great option. I'm Robert Winfield, and this is Chapter House. In Christian Cannibals, we touched a little on how some are challenged by the royal law. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But this is more of an introduction into what to watch for and how we see ourselves and others when we forget our mandate to love one another. I think you'll see some things it affects in your walk with the Lord and other Christians. You see, the royal law, according to the Greek, is a principle or chief moral instruction given by Christ concerning the subject of love. The word here being love is the Greek word agapio. This is one of three love options we have in Scripture. At times, I don't think we connect the dots on all of these. Eros is physical love. Phila is brotherly friendship type of love. And the third is our subject, agapio. Now, I think this is where we fall short of our education on this matter and almost every love situation that is in the Bible. I believe we appropriate it as phila. And at times in scripture, we might be right. But agapio is a love that has no conditions. It's at its heart, unconditional love, where phila is conditional. Phila says, I'll love you as long as you love me. Agapio says, I'll love you no matter if you ever love me or not. The Strong's definition says of agapio is to welcome, is to be fond of, to love dearly, to be pleased and contented with. This is the love of God. Let's look at Colossians as well. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with kindness, tolerance towards others, and gentleness. Bear with each other, and if you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Being critical or unforgiving are culprits as to why faith is hindered and why Christians fail to operate in faith since faith works by love. Most of our faith issues are based on the fact we have tons of unrepented violations of the royal law that have not been given any attention. We forget that holding bad feelings or unforgiveness against others or ourselves is a barrier to faith. Gossiping and remarking in negatives with or without cause is a wall against God. A froward or Willfully contrary and obstinate mouth is also a barrier and something God hates. This is why gossip is so dangerous. Most of us qualify it with, I was just kidding, or they know my heart, or you know what I mean. The Jews understood this habit as a blessing blocker. 
the same blessing Jesus died for, for us to get back. When I go to YouTube Christian vloggers, teachers, and heresy hunters, many times I will see and read Christians trolling. There may be some of this on this YouTube channel as well. The point is, if you hate people online or troll them, you're not getting away with it. You still have to pay in terms of all the crap that plagues your life that's negative. In my opinion, trolling is a sign of depression. You can only harvest from the seeds you plant. Plant negative, harvest negative. The whole kingdom is based on seed, time, and harvest. You can't harvest where you haven't planted, on this earth or in the spirit. However, whatever seed you do plant, you will get a harvest on earth or in the spirit. What we have here is a failure to connect to the royal law with this law, your speech and actions carry great weight in the Spirit. Paul's book on love is telling us what love is and isn't. The Amplified Classic is explicit. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. Love endures long, and it is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Love is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. Love is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Love takes no account of the evil done to it, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And I would add, love does not gossip or backbite. With this as a rudder, we should adjust our walk on this earth. First Corinthians covers a lot of ground. While it seems unreasonable, it is unnegotiable. Our earthly knee-jerk reaction is if we don't like something or someone, we have a certain kind of license to say whatever we want to whomever, and God is just winking with a thumbs up saying, you're totally justified. Well, God's not winking, and he's not offended either because he has agape love towards you. But the reason he warns you about this action is that you have an enemy who wanders about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And loose emotional cannons are his first pick. God's grace doesn't allow you to be a disgrace. Many don't walk in love and never repent for not doing so. Without love, our prophetic ministry is useless. Since faith works by love, our faith is inoperable. Our giving to ministries and poor is without reward, and we become a useless nobody. Our teachings will be fragmentary and incomplete, and our perfection or maturity will become antiquated and void. I heard a great metaphor for the royal law, describing it as a curtain rod. The rod is the law of love, so everything we hope for or aspire to hangs on this rod. Without it, or if it fails, everything hanging on it 
falls with it. If it's not hanging on the rod, it won't be supported in our lives or by God. We will have to struggle to hold it up ourselves. Love is the very thing that God is. You can't separate the two. This same love has been shared abroad in our hearts. The whole world system is buckling under this ignored fact. The ill-mannered bickering, gossip, finger-pointing of the demonic realm has infiltrated a good portion of the church. Even in some places where revival has been prominent, there's a vacuum of love, peace, and understanding. You can't experience a walk with God without the love of God dwelling or living in your heart. Love your God with all your heart and all your strength is mentioned first in the main commandment of our Commander-in-Chief. The church has been many things to people, but love has been as scarce as a gold Wonka ticket. In fact, you can't endure the second part of the commandment of love your brother without first committing to love your God with all your heart and all your strength. If we don't make the maximum effort to do the former, it will be near impossible to accomplish the latter. Jesus never spoke a harsh word about anyone or about any subject except when speaking about the bondage of religion. He never berated Judas for being a traitor or a thief or Paul for being a murderer. How can we ask forgiveness before we can forgive? How can we receive love before we love one another? How do we get before we have given? How can we be healed before we lend a healing hand? The power of the church is the goodness and the love of God in our hearts. Although people convert to Christianity, they are still under the influence of a lifetime of the world. If you don't agree with a person, keep silent unless that person has asked for your opinion or advice. If there's a minister or pastor you find irritating, get over it. He or she is not your servant or intellectual fodder to criticize. There are some who don't actually hate, but don't love either. Walk like the master. See what he sees and signs will follow. You become what you think. You become what you listen to. You become what you fill your soul or mind with. The royal law is the catalyst to the supernatural. We've been made kings and priests, not kings or priests. Obeying spiritual law puts you in the realm of the supernatural. People are not looking for religion, they're looking for power and love. Love is light, light is power, and power is peace. Love comes from the renewing of the mind, and that renewal comes from being a disciple. A disciple is a discipline. They are doers of the word and not merely hearers. Doing is the witness of hearing. That's why the scripture says hearing, but they do not hear. There is a difference between a believer and a disciple. The Word of God renews the disciple. Habits, decisions, actions, and trusts are reestablished, and love is the fuel. Now a disciple has revelation, direction, wisdom, and understanding. This is infused with faith that only comes by love, 
and something from the unseen is now seen. That is why critics of this process need not worry that people are just in it for gain because love filters that aspect and nothing will come of it. On the other hand, if love is established in the heart of the disciple, then all things are possible to him that believes. So given all that, is this something we want to gamble with when we're angry with someone or merely disagree with them? Most of the love check will be in what we say, our attitudes, and what we write or text. If we can check our speech, we can curb our actions and change our direction. If we change our mind, we change the world. Only love can transform a mind. God has given us His great promise so that we may be partakers of His divine nature. The royal law has no exceptions and no lesser expectations than obedience. Love is the unreasonable and non-negotiable command of our supreme commander. This is mature Christianity. So, stand in faith, walk in love, and launch out into the deep. Till next time.